Hi, you're listening to Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio, 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. And I am Paul Ford, the co-founder of Postlight and the co-host of Track Changes. And I am joined by my co-founder and co-host. Rich Ziotti, that was really low key today. It's like Light FM. Are you going to play Just the Way You Are now? I'm going to do that. I actually, I have got this Diet Coke just started. So as the rest of the podcast. <laughs> it'll, it'll heat up? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, okay. We got, uh, you know, give me about 20 minutes here. All right. When the, when the, the uh, a- aspartame kicks in. Well, tell me about Postlight, Paul. Postlight <laughs> is, if you have something in your hand that, uh, like in your phone, and that works, that you yeah. like using, that you love, like a mail app or uh um, oh, what else? Recipes. Recipes. Things that you like on your phone. We build those sorts of things. We build. The ones you don't like that you're embarrassed about that you wish you didn't use so much. We don't build those. Well, we build the ones that also take care of your payroll processing. Oh, yeah. That's the weird That's thing true. about us. That's true. We'll dig you a ditch. We'll you <laughs> come on in and you say, I need this ditch dug. We are a digital product studio that helps you design, architect, and build stuff. Good for us. Enough about us. <laughs> All right. So we are joined today by Alex Daly. Hi, Alex. Hi. How now, are you? We're doing okay. We're doing okay. We're having a little, I think, kind of a rough start, both of us, to the morning. Just a little, we kind of tumbled in. Alex, what about you? I had a good day. I had some avocado toast this That's morning. Uh, where'd you go? Was that at home? It was, uh, no, at Westville and Dumbo for a little breakfast meeting. Oh, that's okay. classy. All right, yes. so we should we should bring people into your world. What do you do? I run a company that basically launches and promotes crowdfunding campaigns. Crowdfunding campaigns. Okay. Yes. What's the name of the company? Van Alexandra. Van Alexandra. Okay. Yes. Who calls you up? First of all, I'm assuming they don't use the telephone. They don't. <laughs> can, can we can we rewind? Yeah. I'm interested in how you got there. Okay. Okay. So it's sort of an unconventional journey of how I got there. After I graduated, I wanted where'd you, to... Where'd you go to school? Vanderbilt. Okay, so... In Nashville. Wow, you've got Van and Vanderbilt. Van D, yeah. and my last name's Daly, so I'm a Van D. Boom. Wow, so you're fully, you're fully <laughs> branded... Do you know how many sweatshirts she has at home? I know. You're <laughs> so fully, many. You're fully branded at graduation. You haven't even made it to New York City <laughs> exactly. yet. Exactly. Okay, what's the major? Okay, it was... Many different things. I had philosophy in Spanish, and I minored in film. Okay. Whoa. That's a well-rounded individual. Well, and that yeah. gets you ready for crowdfunding. Yeah. <laughs> no, but nobody... Gets you ready for nothing. But literally <laughs> no one in that, those, um, with those majors has a good, clear path to making money. Exactly. So crowdfunding is going to weigh in really quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought I wanted to be a writer. So mm-hmm. I naturally, when you graduate and you want to be a journalist you have the very sexy role of being a fact checker. Sure. Uh, So I was a fact checker at New York Magazine and then Wall Street Journal Magazine. And I realized I don't actually want to be a writer. So a friend of mine... That was a very sensible decision. Yeah. I was like, you know, I don't want to be doing this on a daily basis. No, it's not a fun job. It's not. It's not. It's a pathology. Yeah. Yeah. So so I made that that decision very quickly. And a friend who is a sort of mentor of mine, she said, well, what did you study? So that, that did come into the, the, the question. And I said, film. And she says, okay, well, journalism and film, why don't you try documentary film? Okay. And um, I knew nothing about production. I didn't even know what the word post-production meant, actually. What but does the word or it's, the term it's, post-production? It's basically, it's when the production part, the shooting of the film, for example, is done and you're in the editing process. Okay. So... 
I went into an interview and I just sort of nodded my way and smiled through the interview and I got it. And I was doing a lot of grant writing, raising money for these films, writing grants on a daily basis. Another natural outcome of a humanities degree. Yeah, totally. I have one too. And yes, okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's natural. It's like, okay, you're going to be a fact checker and then a grant writer. Right. And so I was doing that on a daily basis and then a producer came to me and he said, I am making a movie and I need funding. And I said, I can write you a grant. And he says, I want to try Kickstarter. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> oh, this is okay. So the documentary filmmaker comes to you and says, can you help me get this money? Mm-hmm. Okay. What, and they, they like, they heard about Kickstarter. Yes. They came to me about Kickstarter and I knew it was this thing like on the internet that you could raise money for something. Sure. Like you're a, you're a human in the world. Yes. You've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on the internet before. And so, um, I just like, I sort of nodded my way through that interview I told you about. I was like, I always say yes to everything, especially I did it more back then. Um, and so I said, let's do it. And we, I had to Google how to do a press release. Cause I was like, we might need some press for this. Um, he did the video. I did the, the page with my my great writing skills. Um, What's the movie out of curiosity? Oh yeah, it was. It's called Sex and Broadcasting, and um, it's about WFMU, uh, the radio station in New Jersey. So the the old school independent, like as independent as can yeah. be, radio yes, station. Exactly, freeform. So sure, and there was a big. Um, I mean, there's a big community around them. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so and they're, they've they've raised money successfully in the past. So yes. they're going down this new path, trying out Kickstarter. Working with you. So did it did it work? Yes. And, you know, actually talking about their community, I learned so much from that campaign that you need a crowd to have a crowdfunding campaign. And, and WFMU has that. They have this amazing, super loyal, eager, built-in audience of people that are internet savvy and also um, believe in WFMU. So it's a very that's organic a re- sort of thing. Alex, that's a really interesting point, right? Because a lot of times I think people see Kickstarter and similar crowdsourcing tools as a, you know, turnkey money. A recruiting tool. Yeah, it's a way to get yeah. money into your network and then the network Actually, grow to build the network. My yeah. thing is so great that they will come. Right. But, but you have to build it for them to come. You have to build okay. it for yeah, them to come. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, you know, I didn't know that. And I think so many people look at all these, because all the headlines say, this campaign just got a bajillion dollars. Right. And so everybody thinks crowdfunding is magic, that you mm-hmm. put your product there. Everybody thinks their product is gold and that they'll just come to you. But you actually have to do that preparation and have that crowd of people ready to back your campaign when it goes live. Well, that's an old American fantasy, right? Right. You build the, you build the better mouse trap and the world beats a... They will come. They'll come to your door. And what you're learning there, it sounds like you're saying, is is that you can build as many better mousetraps as you want. And they can be better. They can right. be great. And maybe that'll work out. But if you want them to pay attention, you'd better come with that network in place. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So how do you... How are people building these networks without Kickstarter to start? Like, how do right. you... What's going to work well, it's sort of like I think that the most tangible way is building a mailing list to start. Like you actually gather all those people that will be into this subject matter, this thing, and condense them into one place. Okay. And sort of tease the the product or the campaign. Like we have something coming very soon. You're going to be really stoked about it. Okay, so you're mailing them. You haven't even put the campaign up yet. You're saying something's coming. Yes, exactly. Something good. Something, something good, good is at coming. eight a.m. Eastern on Tuesday. Ah. <laughs> oh, so, this right, is... so you've got you, you, the audience is there. Yes. So they've already got eighty-one thousand 
subscribers of some sort. That's and, crazy because WFMU had 80,000 to start. It's almost see, like Paul? you knew that. Yeah. See? Yeah, real entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. So as you're talking to, I'm hearing some real PR chops. Yes. Like, was that in there or did you learn that? I learned that. Like okay. I said, I had no marketing background, but I started seeing what was working and what wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And a big thing was, okay, if we launch with you have – five social media followers and two people on your mailing list were going to fall completely flat and launch to nobody, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're not just launching to the Kickstarter. Like, you'll get some organic followers through the, through the platforms themselves. Sure. Um, but people you, are like, I love dog hats. I'm going to give them $20. <laughs> exactly. We'll see what happens. Okay. But you also need those people that when you launch – they're sort of going to back it immediately because then that's when crowdfunding starts to do its own thing and s- spread organically when you're having traction right, right out the gate. You need that catalyst crowd exactly. that lights it up and then it goes from there. All right. So yeah. you a documentary has been successfully funded. Yes. And then what happens? So then um, that production company I was working at, they were like, well, you did such a great job with this Kickstarter. We need to raise money for our our documentary I did it, and I raised money for them. We raised. So you're the Kickstarter person now. Well, then somebody called me, and they said, I need you to raise money for my documentary. And that's when I got this piece of press where I was called the crowd sorceress. Okay. Yes. So that, oh, oh, oh. Uh, there you go. Somebody was feeling good about that phrase. <laughs> it, all got, it all got done for you that day. That somebody was, was feeling real good. They Here's owned the that. <laughs> if you can drive money to people who are terrible at money, which yes. is everyone who makes documentaries, <laughs> um, you're, you've got right. a business, right? Because there's, they don't know where else to go. Right? Yeah. Now, how are you making a living from this? What are, you, what, are, what are they paying you to get you to do this? Well, back then it was just commission. So it's okay. like, you know, if we're successful, you can be successful too. But now we have 50 campaigns under our belt and a very high success rate. Um, and so we can charge an upfront fee plus a commission of the raise. Okay. So that's, that's what, if I call Val, Van Alexander today, you're mm-hmm. like, here's the pricing structure. Yes. You're ready to go. What's your mailing list look like? Right. Okay. Yes. Now, at that time, you, you still had the day job. Second documentary. You're still working. Yeah, exactly. You're still going to work. This was sort of a side thing. Yes, it was a side thing. It was like this. I was I was having a hard time with it because I really thought I wanted to be a filmmaker. Sure. And I, there wasn't a career that this career that I was, this thing that I was doing, wasn't, there wasn't a name for it. I don't know, Kickstarter producer. Until Crowd Sorceress. <laughs> yeah. Then it all got, Man. Yeah. which I Can you imagine the Photoshop yeah. task that was given to the art department? <laughs> yeah. yeah no, no, a exactly. little hat. Long robe. Yeah. Yeah. Thing wizard. I had a little wand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I, I was doing this as a side job for about a year. Um, and then in 2014, I got a text saying, do you want to work on what's going to be the world's biggest crowdfunding campaign? And I was like, yes. And they said, it's for Neil Young. And that campaign was still our biggest to date. And I was like, okay, I need to make this a full-time job because I'm obviously pretty good at it. Wow. So this was the same production company? Um, no, actually, I was still, I was freelancing at that point, you know, working as like a producer during the day and then nights and weekends doing these Kickstarters. Um, and so then, your rep just took over your life. Yeah. Okay. This is the thing. If you can get money from point A to point B, yeah. people find out real fast. Yeah, but <laughs> exactly. you draw me the line to Neil Young. So um, I was still 
producing on on the side. And somebody wrote to me and said, um, I have a friend that works at a design company. They're doing the logo and website for Neil Young's new product, which was the Pono Player, this this audio device that claims to play the highest resolution possible for, for digital music. Mm-hmm. And Neil Young is obviously like, a legend and a king to me. And so I I walked in and they said, we need to raise $800,000 for this. And my highest raise at that point was $80,000. Okay. Um, But I was... You know, I said, yes. but you'd never worked for someone as famous as Neil Young no, either. Like this no. is an order of magnitude more famous. So. Oh, huge. Okay, so this is like an actual music player, like like an iPod or an iPhone. Yes. At that time, you still had iPods, I guess. Yeah. But the the sort of pitch was it was none of that awkward MP3 compression, right? That this gets was in the way like pure file, fidelity, raw, yeah. right? Pure Pied Piper vibes, right? Right. And it was real. um, (laughs) Was it sort of triangular and yellow? Am I remembering correctly? It was weird shaped. Yeah. You don't see too many of them in the market these days, right? Well, how much did he raise? He raised. How much did you raise? We raised six point two million dollars. That's ridiculous. Great beats venture funding. That's great. That's the amazing thing about crowdfunding is that you get to sort of skip that VC funding and you own everything. Right. You know. So you get all the guilt for yourself, but there's no one just sort of looking over you, telling you you did it wrong. How to do it, or they don't own a piece of your product, like because these people are all donating to you. They're not even buying your product. They're donating to this idea. Idea that you have for a product. Well, and that one, to its tremendous credit, did ship. Like yes. the market wasn't huge for it, but it it went out into the marketplace. It was a real thing that worked, and people liked, and it sounded. Great. Well, let's let's call it for what it is. It was it failed. Yeah, but that's not that's not the fault of the Kickstarter and the people who invested. Got oh, like, absolutely but wait, not. Wait. Also, it's worth noting like the people who put the money into the Kickstarter who donated got what they asked yes. for. Oh, right. So we which should explain this, by the way. So depending success, on how much yeah. you donate, you get different sort of packages yes. of rewards. Rewards. A lot of times it's a tote bag. It's actually a tricky thing about Kickstarter because you'll be like. <laughs> or a T-shirt. Yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, I'll give $50 to this. My friend's asking me. But then they're like, no, it's $100 for the first issue of the magazine. For the but, actual- but for $50, you get a tote bag. And you're like, right. you just really put me in a situation in which, A, I have to get another tote bag. Yeah. And B, I'm going to have to spend $100 on something. To get the actual thing. That I don't, that I just feel guilty about. Yeah. Like, anyway, yeah. but that's the that's the dark, dark side of, of Kickstarter. But regardless, I mean, this he pulled it off. They raised enough money. Yes. Production, design, and production of a piece of hardware like that is not a small deal. No. He probably had a whole team, I'm guessing. Yes, he did have a team. And I mean, I think that just delivering something and delivering it on time is a huge success for a crowdfunding campaign. Sure. I mean, Rich and I want to now talk about why Pono failed for like the next two or three hours, but let's not do that to Alex because that wasn't her job. That's not, yes, yes. Also, I will point out that I am a huge Neil Young fan. I think he's amazing. Not huge enough to buy a Pono. Not huge enough to buy a Pono, mm. but his 1971 live recordings are just... Uh, are they? He's a genius. What if you heard them uncompressed in really good audio fidelity? Well, that's the thing. I, I, deal, I, I listen to them on Spotify and there's an awful hiss in the background, yeah. but yeah. that's That's actually Crazy Horse. That's what that is. <laughs> All right. So now... Well, now. That, that puts you on the map. Now... 
you're yes. the real deal. Yeah, that was I mean, the thing. Even as we make fun of it and, and make it awkward in this room, like Pono was a global news story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a massive success. And even like Time magazine said that it was one of the most artfully managed campaigns because they really leveraged Neil Young's community in this really amazing way. I don't know if you guys saw that video, but it was an 11 minute video. Which is just it's like a mini documentary. That's the longest he's been awake in 25 years. Oh God! Oh no! <laughs> oh, I, got, okay. I want to see Neil Young before he dies. I know, me too. We have like 30 he's years. Amazing. For that. Yeah, he's, you think he's going to keep going? I think he's just sort of pickled on weed at this point. Like he's going to just just keep going. Yeah. 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 He's going to be a Willie Nelson. That's my. That's my. <laughs> he's he doing settles a, in. a yeah. lot of activist uh, yeah. work. Yeah, that's right. Um. So he's really focused on you know. Everything from what's happening with climate change and the environment. And I think he's really focusing a lot of his efforts with that. Do you have his phone number on your phone? Um, maybe. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. That is cool. That's real That's cool. cool. Let's just end the podcast right here. Yeah. Well, we could end it with a phone call. <laughs> If we could ever figure out how to do phone calls on this podcast. Um, All right, so you're you're on the map now. Yes. You just did. I mean, I'm assuming the biggest, far and away, the biggest Kickstarter ever. Oh yeah, it was. It was, was at the time the third most funded. Actually, Pebble beat it at 10 million. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But still, I mean, yeah, you're it killing was, it. At it this was point. huge. So now, is this was it 2012? 2014. 2014. Okay. Yes. Okay, so we're three years ago. Yes. Pono, God, Pono feels like it was feels long, like longer than that. You know, time just travels so fast. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so what happens after Pono? Now you've got a business. Now the phone's ringing. Now the phone's ringing. The emails are coming in. How many are really sketchy? Oh, I get some weird ones. I definitely right. do. Um, we've had a few people like show up at the office, which mm-hmm. was a little weird. Is the office here in New York City? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm not saying my address. No, no that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> what neighborhood? In actually? Tribeca. Okay, so you're here in Manhattan. Yes. We, I mean, that's pretty serious. Uh huh. And we were when we first started after the Neil Young campaign. I was like, okay, I'm going to make a company out of this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it Van Alexandra because. That's the first two names of my full name, and it sounds cool. I was sort of just, like, winging it. Sure. I got a bank account. I got a freelancer, and I just started taking in projects. As I was getting so many emails, I have this idea. Kickstarter was sending us some referrals. Um, so I was having, like, too much business coming my way, um, and so I just kept on growing. Right, because um, you're great for Kickstarter. Yes. You're like you're. They're very happy. You I gotta exist, imagine. I'm assuming. I have to move, imagine you have a relationship with Kickstarter. I do. We have a great relationship. It's just in terms of like they trust the, yeah. the work that we do for their creators, and so you know they recommend us to projects that they think that will be a fit. I mean, they recommend well, you reduce us. risk. You reduce their risk that large, high-profile projects will not Scams succeed. And which right. there was a point a couple years ago where they really like they were in in trouble every day. Like there was something going wrong or something that shouldn't have been funded getting funded, and it took a long time to get the well, they tipped, right. Right. Yeah. And now everybody was kind of fiddling with it. So you become yes. a kind of a good filter on the other side, where it's like, hey, you. We want you to succeed. Go talk to this person. Right. Alex will help you out, and she'll keep this from being a debacle, which I'm assuming they didn't say out loud. But, <laughs> but there's always a risk when you're going out in public and yes. asking for money that you're going to get in big trouble. Totally. And, I mean, I think that now there's all these little agencies that have popped out because they've seen, oh, my gosh, I can really capitalize on these campaigns. Sure. And, like, you, if you launch a campaign, you'll get several of these companies 
emailing you through Kickstarter, we can get you $500,000 in two days. It's a thing now. Yeah, it's a yeah. huge thing. And so I think that they're very obviously very wary of these people taking advantage of their community. So they really trust the work that we do. Um, right, so who I walk in, I walk in the door and I have a great idea. I think it's a great idea. And I tell you about it. And I'm going to, what's a great idea? What's something that, that people want to kickstart? <sighs> Not a product. And, uh, oh. A new documentary. I'm making a new documentary okay. about a high school, let's say. Yes. And I'm very excited about it. I don't have a lot of money. I don't, I don't, maybe I don't fully know what I'm doing. But I, I know to come to you because I want to kickstart this thing. What advice do you have for me? I would first say, um, do you have an audience of people? I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, people come to me and they say, we have no mailing list. We have no social media presence. We have a great idea. I say, go out and go build that for the next six months and then we can talk. You're not there to help them do that. No. That's not your business. Exactly. Ours is just preparing a campaign that's in a you know, good place. We have two months working on getting them press, helping them with the video. It's actually building a campaign yeah. is the okay. work that we do. What does a good audience look like? So what, how, if I'm, if I'm starting from scratch, what do right. I need to build? Do I need a million people in my world? What do I need? No. Cause you know, something that we learned over time too, that we didn't know early on is that social media followers doesn't equal dollars. I mean, it has to be, you have to, it has to be the audience that's loyal. They know the internet. For example, we worked on this theater project early on and the demographic was a lot older. They mm-hmm. didn't even know what Kickstarter was. So half of the campaign, we are educating them. They're like, can we send checks to the platform? You know, so it's like having a really engaged audience that knows Kickstarter and loves the subject matter and you engage with them on a consistent basis. Interesting. So the, the answer is not go out and get Facebook likes. Exactly. Okay. It's like find the people that will like this and believe in this. A lot of people have started doing Facebook advertising mm-hmm. um, to, to build a list. And that's very targeted. So that you can you can count on there'll be a good amount of people on that segment. It's actually list. effective. Yes, exactly. Interesting. Who gives money in your like for a project? Like if I, I have this list, I send the email out like what percentage, what profile of human being is actually going to get their credit card out? I think that it's um, obviously a younger demographic that lives on the internet that uses it on a daily basis. Um, but it's also people that, um, you know, there's so many, so many different traits for, you know, success. I think that design projects and tech projects, those people pull out their credit card because, you know, for a documentary, you're sort of backing something that you probably won't get a copy of the film for several years, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you're basically backing it because you believe in it. This is but, the change you want in the world. Exactly. Okay. While design and tech products, you actually, it's almost like you're ordering the product. Sure. So it's like a pre-order versus like donate to right, my art project. It's, it's not years away. It's real. It's you're, it's gonna show up. Yeah. There's I mean, also probably a tipping point, right? Once they've achieved their goal, it's definitely gonna get made. Exactly. And then it can really kick in, like an iPhone case that's made out of wood. That's is, the thing. There's an element of risk reduction there too, where you're like, well, this person's gonna make a poster of the platonic solids that looks a certain way. And yeah. I'm gonna yes. give them forty five dollars, which is a reasonable amount of money for a poster. And posters go into a tube and go in the mail. Yes. So I'm, I'm going to get yeah. the post. I'm, I'm going to get the poster. It's a $45 poster. That's yeah. really the, the, what it translates into. That okay. I'm buying. Right. Essentially buying, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And maybe a tote bag. Okay. Now, <laughs> Paul, you've written notes for this uh, episode, and the, I think it's the next project we're going to talk about is Subway Manuel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so Subway Manuel is uh, a little typo, Rich. Thank you. For oh, okay. That. Oh, I thought it was like a R&B artist that so, we're about to get Subway to know. Manuel. So there's, you've done a couple manuals, right? <laughs> yes. So the Subway Manual and the NASA Manual. Yes. What? Tell us what those are. So um, actually, the design company that was working with Neil Young, um, I met a designer there. Um, what's the name of that company? It was Pentagram. Oh, Pentagram. Our yes. good friends, actually. Oh, cool. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. So, um, Neil that- Young didn't pull punches here. I, Neil Young knows how to get it done right hey, at this apparently. point. I mean, there's He's a, like, cream of the crop, okay? Exactly. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's the thing. I think this people make fun of, like, Kid Rock, but he can he can organize a cruise, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, it's not. Okay. So, exactly. So, I love that Neil Young called Pentagram. He's like, put down all the work you're doing on MasterCard this week. <laughs> <laughs> and That's FedEx. amazing. That's exactly. amazing. All right. So, uh, so your friend's a Pentagram. Yes, you know, he saw the success of this Pono campaign, of course, and we were talking um, at a party or something about this this standards manual mm-hmm. that they had found, he and his friend had found in the basement of Pentagram. And I had no idea what that was. And it's basically when back in the day when people used to make logos, they would make a style guide sure. and give it to the company and say, this is how you put the logo on a letterhead. This is the color that you use. Oh, they still do it. Yes, Absolutely. but yeah. now it's online, right? Like Much you actually it, get yeah. a style guide online. You get a book. Well, if you spend enough, you get a book. Pen- <laughs> yeah, that's true. Pentagram will still <laughs> make have you a book. book. Yeah. Yeah. And the binding is exceptional. You call Michael Beirut, you're going to get that book. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, so Michael Beirut was this designer boss at the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so he said, we found the original manual for the subway, the New York City subway. Oh, that, the designer is Massimo Vignelli. Is that yes, the right name? Yes, it was yeah, Massimo okay. Vignelli okay. who did that style guide. And so he said, we found this manual. We put it online in 2012 and we just like photographed all of it. We sent it to our friends. It got like a quarter of a million views in three days. And I was like, oh my God, there's your audience right there. And they got press around it, all organic. And I said, why don't you make it into a book? Okay, so you you see the list. You're like, oh, your list is right there. We just if you extract a list from there, right, you're going to have the ability to to create. What's interesting here is the Pentagram people didn't come to her and say, we want to make a book, and you're the you're the Kickstarter. Person. I mean, this is a fascinating multi-step is, form of marketing, right? Yeah. Where you're like, I mean, you you put this forward, right? Right. You would I, think the idea guys at Pentagram would pull that off, no, but, but see, it didn't the, happen They're good way. at sort of like, this is cool. Let's put it out there. Let's get the audience. But yes. it's true. It's not an organic next step to go, oh, we have achieved an audience. Therefore, let's we do should translate it yeah. into yeah. a... I mean, we want to commoditize this a little right, bit right. Like, and, and make this into, you know... We're going to take this form of communication and turn it into some cash and Very then cool. do something with it. Exactly. And so they were like, oh, we've thought about making it a book, but we have like a full-time job. So, And right. how would we even do that? Sure. And so they said, and I think MTA owns it. And then he was like, actually, though, MTA is a client. And I was like, hello, you need to ask MTA for permission. We need to See, do we a We got a deal maker on our hands here. Yeah, yeah this is the thing. She's like, right. get him in the room. When you say yeah. get him in the room... You're thinking about the deal. Right? <laughs> I was like, let's do this. And so I we we made a video. We got the MTA's permission. They're like, who the hell's going to get a book about subway signs? That's like, they didn't understand the appeal of it. The creative you know? energy at the MTA, it's, it's probably, not yeah, strong. It's turned down a little bit. <laughs> you, what you got to do, the thing with the MTA is you, you, you got to pace yourself. <laughs> You just you're gonna you're going in that room. You know you get too excited about yeah. this standards manual, then you might get too excited about something like in the next six months. Yeah, that's, slow that's down. All here. your excitement for the yeah. year just gets burned out. Exactly. So, okay, so 
What I like about this is is you, you clearly keep going, well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. And you're like, oh, I guess we could just talk to that guy yeah. over there. Okay. This yeah. is going to end up in the mayor's office. They're just <laughs> yeah. standing there yeah. <laughs> getting the sign off. <laughs> All right. So so this gets unlocked and yes. out goes the, the book to the world, I yes. guess. Okay. Right? Okay. We had no idea it would blow up. Well, what the was the goal? The way the the goal was a hundred thousand okay. dollars because we wanted to make a high quality. It was an eight pound book. Right. It's uh, the best paper. The I mean, this is what they do well. The yeah. pentagram guys oh, yeah. know how to like, make a great yeah. book. You Somebody know what I mean? Put it on, like crappy news. They're not going to mess, mess that up. Yeah. So they're not going to Staples to get <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. So um, I did all the marketing side, help with the video. We got some press around it. We hit the goal by lunchtime. Ooh. Oh my goodness! Ended up Ooh. raising over eight hundred thousand dollars. Unreal for this. Wow! Book well, and everybody Subway gets their signs. book. I mean, yes. the nice thing here too is that Pentagram actually does have some sense of what a book costs to make. Right. They so knew they, all this stuff. So they didn't get in the hole. I've seen this happen yeah. where it's like, oh, it won't. Yeah. It can never be that expensive to exactly. make a beautiful object, and right. then it's like someone, you know, how much did it take to get the book? Like it was, was a the, it was a hundred and eight dollars. That's not insignificant. For it's not, yeah. but it's not. A, but you like know, a, designers pay for that. For yeah, those, for yeah. Books. like think about like your big Tashin photo coffee table books, and oh, those yeah. are a little more mass market, and they're like sixty, seventy bucks. Yeah, that's yes. true. Or more. Yeah. And so this is a an event. Yes, and wow. it was really so expensive to make. I mean, if you see yeah. this thing, it's massive. But the MTA, you know, there was an agreement with them that it would only be available through the Kickstarter campaign. See, so now you've generated scarcity. So so much urgency oh, and that's another so thing I learned like with every campaign I learned something and that was like oh limited edition kills on Kickstarter you know only 30 days to get this thing is like a flash sale so wait there, there's no way to get it today now they have a smaller version a compact version um, which the MTA of course gets a cut of because they're like what? oh yeah after they saw that $800,000 <laughs> yeah. yeah they're yeah. like what were yeah, yeah we, we're gonna do a deal with this <laughs> yeah, that's funny that's what you learned so now you did something similar with NASA standards maybe yes. right yes so we um, basically we worked with the designer of the original NASA logo that worm logo mm-hmm. the um, the red one um, that actually oh, was like rescinded all one big line yes okay. and it was rescinded in I think 1990 but graphic designers are like obsessed with this right. logo because it's super modern, very clean. Well, the overall history of, of NASA branding is it gets steadily less cool well, like there's from that, year to year. You know what the the one is called now, that big blue one? It's called the meatball. Yeah. It's like this messy ball. Blair. Yeah. yeah. And they, and let's uh, go to yeah. space. How did we end up there? Come on, let's go to space. <laughs> um, so they did... Um, a reissue, a hardcover book again of that manual. We got the original manual from the designer himself. We did an interview with him for the documentary, and that one raised almost a million dollars. Right, but there's but there's more going on now. There's the full reproduction, which you know how to do, yes. and there's the the documentary. Yes, and, and they try and the, the community that we built from the first one. They trust the work that these designers do because they delivered a beautiful book. And so people are like, I'm going to get that second book, you know? Of course, sure. And then you have the space nerds. Obviously, oh, all right. the space geeks were like space nerds, <laughs> right? Because there's only a certain subway. Oh, no. Subway nerds is a definitely a smaller demo. Yeah, yeah. space nerds is actually like three percent of the country. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can, you can. There, there are non nerds who are into the subway. That's yeah. right. It's like a nostalgic thing. Yes. Sure. Yes. There's more going on. There. Transportation. Well, yeah. And also, like, the subway map is a very particular point. Like, subway maps in general are a very particular kind of design thing. 
Yeah. Like it's very because they just boiled down cartography to yeah. its essence and and so on. But yeah, once you're in the world of NASA, it's a big tent. It's kind of crazy. So they all came out. Everybody came out and was like, "I want yes, this." Yes, exactly. And they, I think, they got ten thousand backers for that campaign, which was incredible. So how how many clients are you rolling with right now? We have a few clients right now. Those same designers I was just telling you about, we released um, the manual for the EPA, which we obviously, yeah. it's very relevant Good right timing. now. Um, obviously, it doesn't have the same audience as the subway or NASA, but um, we'll, we're going to get to the goal very soon. We're halfway there. It's 150000 for the goal. Okay. Um, and we got the original manual from the um, design firm who's, that are, is based in New York. So we have the original EPA. Okay. Manual. Um, and then we're launching another one next week, which I can't talk about, but it involves space also. I'm like, okay. people like space stuff. They do like space. People do it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, but we, we've stayed a small team. Right now we're a team of three. We bring in freelancers as we need. But um, I didn't ever really want to scale or get very big. Sure. Because uh, I like to be involved in all of our projects. Mm-hmm. So... How many people, uh, over the course of the year, say, how many Kickstarters would you set up? I would say that we probably do, we probably do about a couple of months. So, okay. yeah. So, fairly doing a lot of the production. You're not just giving advice and making, you know, play, wearing a PR firm. Well, because you've got to yes. make that video and it's got to look that's in, the thing. Yes. a certain way. Right. Is the video the most important thing? I think the video, I think that audience I just said, and the video is huge, and it just blows my mind that people still sometimes don't have a video on their campaign page. You know, because if I see that, I'm like, they don't really care enough to make a video. Why would they care enough to make a good product? Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't even back any of those campaigns. Um, but, yeah, the video is huge. And, you know, back in the early days, you could look into your laptop camera and be like, hi, I'm Alex. I need some money. Bye. Right. But now people actually have to hire professionals. They need actually a video team to help them make a great video. OK, so they come in and coordinate that with you. Exactly. OK, exactly. This is interesting, right, because you're talking about relatively large numbers for the goal. It's pretty expensive to get set up and to get the video made and put your stuff in. Like totally. You're, so to start your Kickstarter process. That is if, a budget. Well, Huge, I, yeah. if, you have a big, if you have a big goal, there needs to be a relatively large I, budget. Yes, yes. Like if I need $2,000 to finish my, my indie comic book, it feels like the standard goes down a lot. And yes. it can just, it kind of can be me talking to the laptop right. and holding some stuff up. And, yeah, yeah. Okay. When does it get serious? Is it like $100,000? I think so. I think like right around that range and above. um, I think that probably 20% of that goal goes into getting a designer, getting a company like me, maybe getting a separate PR firm, video people. But there's ways, you know, I've told clients like there's ways to get creative. The reason we still do half commission is because a lot of these people don't have any money up front. So we get creative with people. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so you're... You're taking a little risk with them. Yes, exactly. Okay, so who do you turn away? We turn away because we get several inbound inquiries and some weird stuff. Sure. As we were talking about. Well, this is the thing, right? Like, yeah. you are, people are going to look at you, and there's a certain group of people who are going to be like, oh, good, that will help me meet my goal. And there's another group that'll be like, I want to get rich. Yes. And I want to, you know, 
I have some or, big this idea. Is, this is to launch my startup. Like, I'll get more money later. Right. This is just to get going. Right. Who comes in like that? I mean, what is it? When you are when you reply and say, this is probably not right for us. Well, we've actually, you know, at the beginning, we were taking on everything. Sure. Uh, so film, theater project, music project, design project, you know, everything. But now we've really honed in. We like working on creative projects, and okay. we really like the design world. I think that after these manuals launched, and the first one in 2014, we really started getting great contacts in that space. I think there's a real, I mean, there's an appetite there too, right? Yes. Because of companies like Tash and the big photo right. book market, like there is a proven understood market and a consumer base that likes like high premium quality beautiful goods. stuff yeah yeah exactly. and the fact that it's sort of historically accurate is also really interesting totally so like if a not like basically if a non-creative project comes to us we now just say we really work on design and tech like we've really just honed in on that because i think that those campaigns really do find the most success because you do sure. get a sort of product in return mm-hmm. so we've just had to start saying no to all the other projects that come to us but you know what's really great now is that kickstarter has a list of companies that do the sort of thing that we do um, so people can go and find other people. It's not in the beginning. It was like very rare. Not many people were doing what I was doing, you know, so there's more people like that. Are there big companies that do what you're doing? I think that PR firms are catching on and are starting to offer like, we'll do the PR for your campaign. But then they don't have any idea of like a strategy or like when's the best time to launch. Well, this is a very inorganic thing for them to do, right? Like, I mean, you... Kickstarter, you need a little bit of a knack to get and a, a sense of the culture of it in order right. to make it make the video work and make the the communication work. I think that there are a couple bigger companies, like 20, 30 person teams, but they've actually just honed in on one piece of like a service. And it's mu- usually Facebook advertising because that okay. thing you can just push out. You know, like you don't really need to have a lot of strategy or story driven ideas for it, but it's hard to scale otherwise. You know, it's like I'm the only person of my team that's worked on 50 campaigns. So I can look at something and say, like, that's not going to work. How can you really scale that? Do you see yourself doing this for a long time? You know, I I don't know where crowdfunding is going to be like Mm -hmm. in four years, four or five years. It's crazy that Kickstarter launched in 2009, which is it was started as sort of mom and pop indie creatives raising a thousand dollars. Now there's fortune 500 companies using it celebrities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know if at one point it's going to have like the bubbles going to burst for crowdfunding. Um, But I do think I've really found a way to help products launch online. So I think I'll be always doing something like that. And do you think it will always be Kickstarter or do you use the other platforms too? I've used Indiegogo, okay. uh, but we have we started on Kickstarter and most of our projects are really creative projects and that's... Kind like, of align well with Kickstarter. Exactly. Indiegogo is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, not... You get stuff like, I need another four grand so I can... Go to California. No, when you get when you get the Kickstarter email and it's like, hey, everybody, sometimes I roll my eyes and erase the email. But right. but sometimes I don't because I'm like, OK, fine. Like I never I'm, I'm never upset that somebody sent me their Kickstarter email. Yeah. Yeah. You're agreed. Just, you're it's just, just like, all right, here we go. Sometimes it's like I need a little more money so I can do this thing in my life. Oh, yeah, yeah the personal strange. projects. Sure, yeah. sure. That's, yeah. But that's fine, too. Like, I just, but there's well, a sometimes, cer- yeah, you're, just, you're actually trying to just connect with your friends. But there is an ethos with Kickstarter where they're making something. Yes. And that's cool. Right. That's like, I'm, right. I'm good a, there's with a that. maker aspect yeah, to it. Yeah, completely. You know, we, it's amazing to see Kickstarter used as a kind of 
entrepreneurial boot up tool, like boot camp. It's just like people are forced out of their comfort there, zone there, so hard. There's an aspect of it that gets on my nerves. I'll, I'll, I'm not going to lie. I, I think that we all, well, first of I all, get that. pretty long list of. No, as an entrepreneur, I, 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 I never understood the, okay, listen, I have a great idea, but I don't want to take on the risk. So why don't you give me some money? And if it comes through, then we're all, we're, you're going to get the thing. So, so, so is that, are you talking about Kickstarter or Indiegogo? Well, anything. Because I think that there is because my risk for the idea, like let me let me just yeah, yeah. follow this thought. Like I'm I'm gonna make a new sort of digital watch or something. Mm-hmm. I, I'd need five million dollars to do it. Yeah, like I'd have to go and pitch and either borrow or use my own money to do it. But instead, I could spend fifty thousand dollars, make a cool video, hire you, and then ask everybody else to give me the money. Which kind of to me. That's the antithesis of sort of the entrepreneurial spirit, which is take risk, empty your bank account, and go try the thing. First but, of you all, know, raising, I'm sorry. yeah, yeah you, I mean, you go first. Sorry, <laughs> I think me. that like for a lot of people, that fifty thousand dollars is emptying their bank is account. emptying their bank account, and That's true. and I also think it's a huge risk because the thing with Kickstarter, if you fail, you fail hard. Like everybody sees that you fail. It's true. The larger the the raise, too, what is the yeah. what is the sequence when you when you if you fail and some others have put money and they get it back? And they, basically, their credit cards aren't charged. Oh, well, it, so the charge doesn't happen it until it, until it's successful. You know, or not on day 30, if it's a 30-day campaign. I actually think Kickstarter is super entrepreneurial because you're going out there and you're appealing to the general public who actually matters. Like you can go to an investor. This is one person believing in in your idea. While crowdfunding, you have to actually get a ton of people to believe in your idea, which I think is very scary and risky. With Indiegogo, if you do flexible funding, you get whatever you raise, you know, which I'm also like... That's not how the world works. You need all the money to, you know, if you need $50,000, you got to get the whole thing. So I think that that sort of all or nothing model on Kickstarter is is one of the is biggest aggressive, risks. Right? Yeah. I think that it's, it's incredibly hard to fund weird creative work. And it's a great tool when the niche community finds the I niche I think that's thing. the angle. It's yeah. creative work, and right? And it really, yes. really works there. Like there's no way around it. There are an enormous range of things that right. would never have come into existence because right. they would have been too costly yeah. to get off the ground. Right. But the amount of money overall, like on the reprinting the subway manual and so on, is relatively low. Yeah. Right? So... I'm not going to use Kickstarter to crowdfund my HR admin software idea. Probably not, right? Like <laughs> it's just not yeah. the vibe. No, right, it's not, right exactly. That right. crowdsourcing tool would actually be fascinating, though. The B two B crowdsourcing <laughs> yeah. world, yeah, yeah, because there's there are things that we need. Where somebody was right. like, "I'll get that for you," right. I'd be like, "Here's five hundred dollars. Build me Accenture that." Accenture gets the tote bag. I'm ready. <laughs> build, build me the software, right? So how do people get in touch with you if they want to do something um, with your company? They basically email our hi at Van Alexandra, and we respond to every every request that comes in. We try to do that, too. It's important. It's important. Yeah. And I actually just wrote a book. Um, oh, Yeah. Cool. I just wrote a book, and it came out uh, March 28th. I just got back from my book tour on Sunday, actually. And... You know, honestly, this book, it's not like every other how-to book, which I can't really stand how-to books because they say, like, three tips in the first chapter, and then they reiterate them, like, ten more times or all the other chapters. <laughs> Could have been an article. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. A blog post. Um, but my book, like, I really share 
all my secrets and I really pour everything into this book. Okay, so one secret to share would be the title of the book? Oh, the, oh yes. <laughs> I was about to ask. <laughs> it's a mystery. Um, no, it's called The Crowd Sorceress. Um, how to get you went with it. I went with it. Oh, the crowd nice. okay, um, good. How to get smart, get funded, and kickstart your next big idea. So that, you know, that's a really, it's $16, a lot cheaper than what we charge. And really, people have read it and they're like, this is so much information. That's great. I can kickstart my idea now. Did I, you crowdfund the book? No, I didn't actually. Um, I did a traditional publisher because somebody approached me about it. And I would I never thought about writing a book. Who's the publisher? Um, public Affairs, which is now okay. owned by Hachette. Great. So if you want a nice Public Affairs slash Hachette published book about... Yes. Paul loves to mention the publisher. I just feel no That's one ever good. mentions the publisher. I like to mention <laughs> the publisher. Very nice of you. Um, what would your sophomore self at Vanderbilt make mm-hmm. of this career? I would have... Th- like, what's crowdfunding, first of all? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I would have been, I would be proud of myself because uh, I, I did take a lot of risks. I jumped around, I experimented, and now I'm helping a lot of people, like, bring their projects to life, which is pretty cool. It's true. It, you have manifested something truly out of raw, pure hustle. Yeah, yeah. working yeah. hard. And yeah. you seem you seem happy and, and yes. well-adjusted, unlike Paul and me. <laughs> no, and, uh, and it's a good living. Yes. Great. Well, congratulations. Well, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, this guys. This was a lot of fun. This was fun. Thank all you. All right. So people know how to reach you and they know how to read your book. Yes. And uh, that's it. That's all anyone needs to know. Cool. All right. Everybody go make their Kickstarter stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Thanks. Well, Rich. That was fun. I kind of want to just stop all this and go do a little Kickstarter I, project. I want to make an iPhone case out of seashells. Let's do it. All right. All right. So look, if anybody needs us, you can send us an email to hello at postlight.com. Uh, you can also go on iTunes and rate us five stars. That's Only. A number of stars. Only. I haven't lo- got to go look at those rankings. I kind of stay out I of it. I think we're still at five, dude. We're doing all right. I we're think doing we're still right. We could always there. do better. Always do better. And we're uh, glad to listen. So strive. hello at postlight.com. Hello at postlight.com. Yes. If you want to check out our website, guess what it is? Postlight.com. Oh my God. It is a crazy world. That's called branding strategy right there. I am, my name is Paul Ford. I am the co-founder of Postlight and the co-host of Track Changes. I am Rich Ziotti, also both things. That's all we got. We're all going right. back to Have work. Have a lovely week. Bye Thank everybody. You. Bye. Bye.